Hello friends, welcome to Running and Fitness with Raj. This show will bring you exciting and interesting guests and give you specific and actionable advice on your running, fitness and general health. Our guest today is the highly accomplished Dr. Bradford Cooper. Dr. Cooper is the CEO of US Corporate Wellness and co-founder of Catholic uh, Catalyst uh, Coaching Institute. He has often been referred to as the fittest CEO in the world and you will so, uh, soon know why. Uh, Dr. K- uh, Dr. Cooper holds a PhD in performance psychology and he is an elite masters endurance athlete. Uh, Dr. Cooper is an 11-time Ironman finisher, including four times at the Hawaii World Championship, uh, winner of the two-person race across America, which is uh, which is arguably the most uh, grueling cycling event in the world. Uh, he is also uh, a very accomplished uh, marathoner with a two-hour, 47-minute personal best. So welcome to the podcast, and it's a real honor to have you, Dr. Cooper. Raj, I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Okay, so let's uh, let's begin by g- you giving the listeners a little bit of your background, how you became interested in sports and in mental toughness in particular, and combine this these interests in your you know in your career as a CEO, an athlete, a speaker, coach, author, so all of that. So over to you, Doctor Cooper. Yeah. So I. Throughout my life, I've just enjoyed endurance sports. So like a lot of your listeners, just like getting out for a run. Uh, I like to joke about the fact, it's not a joke, it's the truth. When I was in my 30s, uh, my running was just to fit back in my jeans. So I would, I'd bump up, you know, five, six, eight pounds and I'd be like, okay, I got to run. So I'd run for three weeks until I could fit back in my jeans and then I'd stop running. And and that went along, you know, those early, uh, we have three kids. So our kids were young at the time. I was working a lot of hours, the whole deal. Um, and then I just gradually fell in love with it. And I tried triathlon in 2003 for the first time and did relatively well and uh, met some really great people. You guys, everybody listening knows the endurance sports world is filled with just amazing people and, and got to meet a lot of neat folks. And so that became my peer group. And I enjoyed the time with them. And we trained and we challenged each other and we pushed each other and uh, eventually did 11 Ironmans, as you mentioned, four times at the World Championship in Hawaii. And in 2015, a buddy uh, knew that I was a triathlete. He said, do you want to do this race across America thing? And I was like, no. Like, why would anyone (laughs) want to do that? That doesn't sound like any fun at all. But he was very convincing. And so we decided to do it. We ended up winning the two-person event. Uh, They did a movie on it. So if anybody wants to pull up, uh, we can send you the link for that. I'm not involved with that at all. But it's kind of fun. They they captured the the whole event in a, a movie called Godspeed, The Race Across America. Um, and then just to try to put a, a cherry on the top of that year, I knew I was going to be trying to qualify for the Y Ironman anyway. I knew we were doing this Ram. I thought, what if I could try to do all three, run a sub three hour marathon? I was 49 at the time. So just to give you perspective. So what if I could run a th- sub three hour marathon, win the race across America and qualify for the Y Ironman world championship in the same year? That would be kind of cool. Like nobody cares. I'm not a pro, but I would care and it'd be a fun thing to pursue. And it worked out. Uh, it wow. didn't work out like I expected. It, it uh, I got in a bike wreck six weeks before the race across America. I fractured eight bones, including my pelvis, ribs, and clavicle. Had surgery right away. The docs approved me to, to go ahead and keep training. The pelvic fractures were not displaced. So I could train, but I couldn't go outside. Everything was in the basement on the trainer for the last six weeks because they knew if I did slip on some gravel or whatever, then that pelvis would just go into pieces. So, um, so I added a new challenge, but was fortunate. And my son and I drove out 
to uh, I won't say where because the U.S. is as unfamiliar as India is for me. But the uh, we drove out. We did. She, he did the half marathon. I did the marathon. And I ended up uh, getting under three hours by twelve seconds. So not a lot of room to spare, <laughs> but uh, kind of a fun story. So so that led to the PhD. Uh, throughout that whole adventure of the marathon, the Ironman, and the race across America, I just kept seeing these moments where. It, it just, it didn't make sense. And there wasn't much research on mental toughness. All the mental toughness research was, uh, you know, Navy SEALs talking about, well, you know, if you do this and, and, and we're not Navy SEALs, like a, a few of us are, but not very many. Yeah, sure. So I wanted to look for what can we do? What can you and I do? What can the average person do? What can the person do that's not even an endurance athlete to improve their mental toughness, not just to run faster or cycle faster or qualify for the Y Ironman, but instead to just improve your life. So if you want to make your marriage better, if you want to be a better parent, if you want to be better at work, whatever it is, what can we do with that? And so I started exploring that. The research was not very good. Uh, it was not extensive. It was only athlete-based. Uh, it didn't seem to extend into the non-athletic settings. It wasn't very practical for people like you and me that were not Olympic-level athletes. And so I went back and got a PhD at the age of 50 to study this idea of mental toughness. And we coined a new phrase called functional mental toughness or FMT. And you'll see that in the, the research literature now. We published four studies uh, and happy to chat about that and how it applies to what we're doing. Great. What a wonderful story. And not uh, too many people, uh, you know, do an academic pursuit like getting a PhD at the age of age, age of 50. I know, so I'm old, enough. right? <laughs> In fact, that reminds me, my former boss uh, was thinking about doing it, but uh, he, he ended up now becoming a teacher because he couldn't really muster the courage when it when it came to the last mile, so to speak. He did get some offers to do it, but uh, finally he bailed out. So uh, yeah, wonderful story. So let's start with what do you mean by functional mental toughness and why is it important for athletes and, and in life in general? Yeah, the whole concept of functional mental toughness, we, we coined that phrase first to try to make it memorable. You know, it, it's just easy to write a little F, a big M, MT. And so it makes it memorable. It's easy to refer to. It distinguishes it from the traditional, you know, curse a lot and, you know, beat yourself up and then you'll be mentally tough. Well, kind of in some small ways, but there's so many other better ways to do that. Uh, you know, guys like David Goggins, you got to respect him. He's an incredible, incredible gentleman. But his advice doesn't apply to very many people because he's such an anomaly. So functional mental toughness, we want to make it functional. We want to make it practical. We want to make it applicable to anyone. So it doesn't matter who's listening. It doesn't matter who sees this stuff. I don't care if they're a 12-year-old trying to figure out middle school or a 72-year-old trying to get their way through this next phase of life or somewhere in between or an athlete or a Navy SEAL. This stuff is practical. It's functional. It's functional for daily life. So that's where that concept came from. Okay. And uh, the follow-up question to that is, is this con whole concept of mental toughness innate and invariable? I mean, do people have to take a very fatalistic view uh, about it? Like, you know, Dr. Cooper, you are, you know, just born tough and, you know, I can't do what you can. Or is it something which people can develop? Can it be trained? What's been your experience and what does your research show? Yeah, absolutely can be trained. Now, the, the cool thing about any of these things that involve endurance sports is I don't think you can do comparisons from person to person. So okay. we can't say 
does Raj have higher mental toughness than me? Do I have higher mental toughness than Raj? We can say that, and some studies have tried to look at that, but they aren't very well done because if you and let's say you and I, what, what's your favorite distance? You're, you're a marathoner? Ma- marathon, the, the, yeah, okay. the 42, 42.2, yeah. Okay, so let's say you and I are doing a marathon and we come down that, you know, we hit mile 24 and I'm gritting my teeth and I'm like digging deep and you're smiling. Like you're like, do, do, do. Does that mean, and, and you're ahead of me. Does that mean you're tougher than me? Or does that mean I'm tougher than you? We have no idea. Like nope. we have no idea. You might just be fitter. This might just be less effort for you. You might have read the research on the fact that if you smile in an event, you actually perform better because it relaxes both mentally and physically your body. So you might just be smarter than me. There's all these different variables, but we can measure if your mental toughness is better than you. So I don't like comparing person to person because there are too many different variables in endurance sports. It makes no sense at all. But comparing you to you, can we help Raj have more mental toughness next week than he did last week. Well, that's kind of cool. Like yeah. that's super interesting. Absolutely. So our research showed you can. So, and we can talk through a, a number of different things, but the the basic, if you want to call it the mental toughness triad, comes down to thrive, prepare, and activate. And so all of our research broke into the, one of those three areas. So the thrive piece that's the foundation of well-being. So in the introduction, you mentioned that I'm involved with the U.S. Corporate Wellness and the Catalyst Coaching Institute. So if people want to become certified as a health and wellness coach, they would come and go through our certification training. It doesn't matter where they are in the world. But one of the things that we focus on is not just health and wellness, but also performance. Because we've found that when your health and wellness is better, no surprise, your performance is better. Athletically, sure. work-wise, personally. You just go down the list. So that's where the thrive piece, that very first piece of the, of the triad comes in is if we can work on things like sleep and relationships and connection and nutrition, that kind of stuff, you're going to be mentally tougher. You just are. Like there's no question about it. So we looked at things like sleep specifically. And then it, the second category is prepare. These are things you can do in advance of the marathon. So this isn't on marathon day. This is not at mile 20. This is not coming down the you know last you know 2K to get this thing wrapped up. This is a week before, a day before, a month before, two months before. So those are the things that fit into the prepare. And we can go into these in detail if you want to, and I can send you a diagram if you'd like. But, the, uh, but that's the second triad. And then the third triad is activate. So now it's game time. Yes. Now you are in the marathon. Now you're, it's, it's go time. It's too late. And, and, and by the way, that's one of the cool things about the model is the Thrive, Prepare, Activate. Any of them will help you. We'd like you to do them all. But if you get to, let, let's say you and I are chatting on marathon day and we've never met before and we're, we're in the you know, waiting, waiting area to, to send us off. We're in the second group. So we've got about a five minute wait and we just get to chat. And you're like, oh, yeah, I think I, I think I heard a podcast of yours. Aren't you the mental toughness guy? And is there anything I can do right now? Yeah, there is. Even though it's about to start, yeah. there's still things you can do. And that's the activate phase. So activate are the things that we do on that day. And so something like self-talk would be extremely valuable uh, thing that you could do on race day. And, th- and that needs to be customized to you. One of our Oh, you'll love this. Your listeners will love this. Our, one of our studies on self-talk, we had three runners who were varying ability. One was a 
she was a track coach. Um, one was an, a triathlete, experienced triathlete, master's level elite. And one was a more beginner triathlete and, or not beginner, but more focused on the, the long stuff, not, not doing any track work. And they, they came out and they were really nice. They were so kind to be in this study because they had to be there about 15 different times. They had to meet me at the track over a two and a half month period. And we had them do 800 meter time trials. And they would come out, they'd do their warm-up, same warm-up every single time, and then they would run an 800 as hard and fast as they possibly could. And obviously, Raj, you know, you learn to run an 800 faster over, you know, after the first few times. So we wanted to wash that out. We didn't want to just be like, okay, they got faster on the fourth time. Well, of course they got faster on the fourth time. They practice now. So we washed that out. We, we had them do five times to get a baseline, to, to wash out that learning curve. And then we gave them a self-talk strategy and they did the, the same 800, same location, same weather, same everything with that self-talk strategy, man, it was okay. So let's take a step back. Caffeine, most researched performance, legal performance enhancing drug that we have has about a 2.4% impact on performance on average, 2.4%. Our self-talk strategy on average between these three runners they improved an average of 9% wow. on the okay. first time we did it. Like, think of that. Now, can you extrapolate that? Would that, would that be true of 800-meter specialists? Could I go to an Olympic 800-meter person and teach them these things and have them improve by 8%? Of course not. Of course not. But, wow, and the average person to see an improvement of 9% on average when caffeine is 2.4%, we were psyched. So that's an example of what you could do in the activate phase. Wow, wonderful. So, you know, this this whole bit about uh, that internal dialogue that you just touched upon in, uh, you know, the few minutes back, that's something I want to come to next, which is other otherwise very, you know, very accomplished, uh, very motivated, driven individuals who do recreational sports. Uh, many of them, and you know, I find myself occasionally as well, have very self-defeating internal dialogue. You know, oh, yeah. why I'm no, I'm not really yeah, good. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm too old, or I'm I'm you know, I'm a fraudster, I'm a pretender. Mm-hmm. What am I doing here? And mm-hmm. things like that. So my first question is: is you know, it's obviously prevalent. And why is that the case? And is this also uh, an aspect of mental toughness, or is it something unrelated? Yeah. So let, let's just kind of walk that out. We all do that, myself included. Um, <laughs> in spite of all the time I spent on the research and the reading and everything else, I, my wife will tell you, she's just like, boy, once he starts going off a cliff, like he really goes off the cliff. You know, <laughs> Ironmans, I, I've, I've been terrible towards the end of several Ironmans where I just, once I start struggling, I make it worse through my own self. And that's the guy that's supposed to be knowing what he's doing with this stuff. So we all do that. And, and, and that's just, it's just how we're made in many cases. So, but does it matter? Absolutely. It matters a lot. And how do we fight that? Was that kind of what you wanted to get into? Yep, absolutely. Well, I, I, it depends on the person. We all have different things that will drive that. But the first step, almost like the Alcoholics Anonymous thing, is admitting I, my name is Brad and I do self-defeating self-talk. So once I tune into that, once I realize I'm doing it, now it's not so automated. We want to take it out of the subconscious and put it in the conscious. So by me saying, you know what? I do do that a lot. I, I, I have some real self-defeat. Okay, so now it's recognized. So now it's on the table. Now what am I going to replace it with? 
We, just saying to myself, don't do, don't do self-defeating self-talk. Don't do self-defeating. That doesn't help because that just kind of makes it worse. It brings, it, it brings that to the forefront if you're not replacing with something. It's just like the person that's trying to improve their health and wellness and they're like, don't eat chocolate. Don't eat chocolate. Don't eat chocolate. Well, what are you thinking about? You're thinking about chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we want to make sure that we're replacing it with something like instead of don't eat you know, a Twinkie, eat an apple. Okay, that's a positive step. So same thing with the self-talk. We have a tool, something that you've practiced, something that you've utilized. Everybody's different. When we had these three athletes, we put together their self-talk strategy. It was not a generic self-talk strategy. The okay. one that person A used was different than the one that person B used, different than the one that person C used. I'll give you a simple example that I use a lot. Uh, it's related to what's called future self. So we, we all have this future self where we're in this situation, but we can kind of almost like you're time traveling, not really, time traveling forward and thinking about what will I be thinking, doing, et cetera, a day from now, an hour from now, a week from now. And, and if we do that well, that can create positive self-talk. So for example, my son is 21. Uh, he and I both enjoy running and we'll often share notes. So he goes out and does a track workout. He'll shoot me a text and say, hey, you know, I did eight by 400s today at, at you know, 68 per quarter or whatever it might be. And, and I'll do the same thing. I'll be like, oh yeah, I did a temple run today and, and blah, blah, blah. So when I'm struggling, so if, let's say I'm out doing the old Prefontaine 20 by 400s workout. Anybody who's done that know it's brutal. The first eight, you kind of cruise through and then you get in that nine, 10, 11, 12, and you're just like, oh my gosh, there's no way I can make it to 20. Well, anytime I'm in that phase, I think about that text I'm going to send my son later. Okay. Now, I'm not by any stretch the perfect dad, but I want to be a good dad. That's important to me. My relationship with him is incredibly important. And so I also don't want to be the dad who gives up. I don't want to model giving up to my son who's an amazing kid. And so I want to be able to text him later and say, Man, I was really struggling at, my, at, at number 11 and 12 but I hung in there. I, I've slowed down slightly on 13, but then man, 14 through 20, I was able to really get going and 19 and 20, I cried, you know, whatever. So I, this is future self. Like I'm on number nine right now, okay. but I'm thinking an hour from now, I'm going to be texting my son how this went, whether it goes well or whether it goes poorly. So tapping into that future self and everybody's probably got some version of that, a friend, a journal they're going to write in, uh, maybe if they use Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or something, maybe they're going to post their workout, uh, whatever. But that's one simple way that you can utilize that that future self to shift from the negative self-talk to the positive self-talk. Okay. So the uh, the follow-up uh, follow to this is then a little more detail on your own study on functional, you know, mental toughness and some of the key learnings. And along with that, I wanted to know how exactly do you measure mental toughness? What are the tools that you use? Yeah. So Dr. Daniel Gutiardi out of Australia, uh, and I think we've got a link to some of his studies at the uh, my speaking website, which is drbradfordcooper.com. Um, but Gucciardi is one you want to look up. He has a tool called the MTI. Okay. It's, it's very simple. It's very straightforward. It, the reason we utilize it for our studies is it takes about two minutes to fill out. So it's not an assessment where you have to sit down, spend 25 minutes having your research participants, you know, 
write it out and fill out bubble sheets and that kind of stuff. They can literally just at the track, they would sit down as soon as they recovered from their 800, sit down, write their answers. We collected a lot of other data and then they could go do their warm down. They were done. So Gucciardi is a great name when it comes to mental toughness. Uh, my supervisor had two of them actually, but uh, Mark Wilson and Martin Jones. Martin Jones has done a lot of research on mental toughness as well. You want to look up his stuff. Um, so that's the tool that we use, Raj, was the MTI from Daniel Gucciardi. Okay, and uh, in in your you know in your in your studies, when I mean that's one tool to measure the toughness. Uh, but what were some of the other aspects when you dive deeper into the functional mental toughness that you that you looked at? In terms of what we studied or what we yeah, found? yeah what you what you studied, and then if you can share what you found as 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 well, yeah, both. Sure, sure. So what we were studying was what influences that mental toughness. Yep. So does sleep influence it? Does self-talk influence it? You know, so we, we broke these different pieces down and then tried to, to capture them. So our, our second study looked at a number of different things related to the, their ranking. So we had a number of athletes who are very, very kind. Again, any, anyone who's ever participated in research study, we are so appreciative because you <laughs> really give up a lot of stuff and we, 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 we need people like you. So thank you for doing that if you've ever done that. But these athletes would record things like how much sleep do they have? What was their, how was their relationship with the person closest to them? How well were they eating? What was their stress level? Uh, so we collected all that data and then we compared that to the mental toughness ranking to see, well, how did this correspond with that? And not necessarily correlate, but, but at least was it related in some way or did it seem to have some connection to it? And then we came back from that and we backed back out and we said, okay, let's study this a little bit more. So the, the two that we really dug into was sleep. Okay. We had, and this was kind of fun. We had, again, really kind athletes who were willing to do two different things. They slept five hours max okay. for a period of five days. And they slept, well, this is time in bed. You can't make somebody sleep this long, but they would stay in bed for nine hours. Oh, okay. So they did one for five days, and then we had a clean out period for a couple of weeks, and then they did the other one. And we and we flipped it. So not everybody did the five hour first. Half the group did nine hours first, half the group did five hours first, and then we flipped it and they did it the other way. And then we recorded mental toughness based on that. Now it didn't influence everyone, but it was interesting to us that you could see the strategies coming in. For example, one athlete I can remember talked about, he knew this was coming. You know, he had, he had committed to the research study. So he, he was preparing. So he set up his work so he wouldn't have to think very hard that week. He set up his work so he didn't have to do a lot of the really intense concentration stuff that would require a lot of mental toughness. He adjusted his workout schedule so it wasn't – so it, it was very much the preparation. Remember, it was thrive, prepare, and activate are the three pieces. And he really dug into that prepare phase to, to make sure that he could not necessarily increase his mental toughness but decrease the need for mental toughness. And that's a big part of a lot of these strategies – let me give you an example. We did not study music, but a lot of people have looked at music. And one of the strategies some of your listeners might want to try is, and, and this is just a hypothesis, everybody, but if there's any researchers out there, I think you should check this out because I'm pretty sure it'll work. Um, music has been studied and we know it improves performance. Yeah, right? sure. You, you, can, you can find 20 studies without even trying that show music improves performance. However, however, 
we're not doing a two-minute activity. We're not doing a deadlift or a bench press or uh, you know stepping into a boxing ring for two minutes. We're out there, you know, in your marathon case for two and a half to four and a half, five hours. In an Ironman, we're talking nine to 12 plus hours. In Race Across America, you're talking about a whole week. So music, hypothesis again, everybody, music will help in spurts. So if you're, let's just say you're doing a half marathon and you're allowed to use music. You're not a pro. So you pop on your, your whatever system you use. And if you start that at the beginning and you use it to the end, I can promise you by the time you get to mile seven, eight, you're not even going to realize there's music in your ears yeah, because it's you've just gotten used to it. So here's the strategy, folks. You can mix and match this. Take that music. Don't use it the first mile. It's too crowded. You're going to step on somebody. Somebody's going to trip, et cetera. But once things kind of clear out, once you get to that first mile or two, now click on the music for one mile. Listen to it. And then at that next mile marker, click it off and use self-talk. And then at the next mile marker, click the music back on. And the next mile marker, self-talk. So what you're doing is you're, you're, you're revamping every single time. You're not getting tired of the self-talk. Your brain's not getting you know, fatigued from trying to utilize the same technique over and over. And same with the music. You're getting the benefit of the music five different times at mile two, four, six, you know, whatever, instead of, you know, if you think of it as a graph, I don't know if you can see, see but you can. The music benefit it just dwindles over time well why let's pop it up every mile and get that benefit on an ongoing basis no this is this is so interesting and it has stuck such a chord with me because when i do my you know tempo workouts not not always but often i do something very similar i actually keep the music on uh uh you know for the first few miles and then i gradually realize look this is getting tougher this is not good, doing much to me now. So I'll remove my headphones and then, you know, start focusing on how I feel and, you know, getting my mm-hmm. mind space in the, in the, in the right, uh, in the, in the right place. So it's, it's, it's so true. I mean, I haven't tried this alternating strategy, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, typically what I do is if I use music, which is not very often, uh, use it in probably the initial phase and then, you know, just cut it out and just, just, you know, uh, be yourself and your, and, and your mind. So that's, that's so, you know, that's so wonderful to kind of, uh, uh, kind of wonderful to, you know, hear that. Now the other, or, or flip it or flip it the other way. Don't use it at first. And then when you start really feeling like, oh man, I am really hurting. You maybe only use it for one song, but use that as a reset button, if you will, to spark that next level performance. Yeah, actually, well, there is one bit I left out, which is that I do use uh, a particular a particular bit of music from the Soccer World Cup in 2010. I mean, I quite like the word, but that I use when the last you know mile or two because okay. now I gotcha. know I'm going to do this. I need it, and oh. and, and you know I I am for uh, you know. I'll probably want to, you know, really sprint in the last half kilometer or so and make sure that, you know, the last mile exactly. is the fastest one, right? I mean, it it, exactly. you know, it, it doesn't happen all the time, but, you know, when I'm feeling good about it, I switch it back. Yeah, absolutely. Before moving on, I wanted to request uh, all the listeners to please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It will only take you a couple of minutes, but it will help the show enormously and help other listeners to discover the show. So please do take a couple of moments to go and leave a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you are using another app which allows you to leave a comment or a rating or review, like for example, CastBox, 
please do that either we also request you to please check out the website runfitraj.com and also if you have any comments or suggestions to please write to me directly at runningandfitnesswithraj@gmail.com you can follow all podcast related updates on instagram at the handle running and fitness with raj or on facebook on the facebook group running and fitness with raj now let's get back to the show so the question the next question i have is what sort of variability do you see within the same athlete in terms of you know in terms of mental fitness i mean is it correlated to like you know early part of the season when they are not you know they are just training or building back their endurance it's lower and then as the season progresses i mean is there, do you see some sort of correlations like that within the same within the same athlete Yeah, so let's talk about something called critical moments real quick. Okay. Uh, I think this will be helpful to folks. Critical moments are something that I've identified as the time when you need to kick in that mental toughness. So, sure. we don't we don't need mental toughness all day. A, a lot of people don't ever use it. It's kind of a sad state of life, but some people don't. So, critical moments are those times when you need that you need that extra mental toughness okay. if you want to perform at the level that you're you're trying to perform at you could you could finish like like let's say um uh, let's say we're doing a marathon you and I could just go run a marathon without mental toughness we're trained enough we have the mileage we wouldn't necessarily go super fast but for us to run that PR for us to have that perfect day just dial it in we're going to need mental toughness but not the whole race we're not going to we might use it early to make sure we don't go out too fast again mental toughness doesn't mean going faster always mental toughness means doing the right thing for the best outcome so the the critical moments let's take sport away for a second we we have three kids they're tw- what 26 24 and 21 uh and they or they will be this fall and our oldest daughter and I we know each other i love her like you would not believe but sometimes we'll get in each other's faces a little bit of course and the 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 mental toughness piece there and we we're both aware of it and she's gotten older and I've gotten wiser we we know about this but when we tune into that critical moment right i can say that thing that's going to spark her or she can do, do it to me or we can use mental toughness to not say that to realize that as a dad who loves his daughter i don't need to be saying that that's not the right thing to do. Well, that takes mental toughness too. And that's not a, so that's the critical moment, but it's not an athletic based critical. Sure. Moment. So so that's the first thing. So understanding where are your critical moments? That's that's what an athlete wants to do. What is my critical moment? So if we're doing that track session, that tempo run, that marathon, whatever it is, identify and you won't dial this in exactly, but you you'll you have a pretty good sense of when those critical moments hit based on your history. So identify those and then go into those with a plan of what am i going to do just like you would with your nutrition you don't go into a race going well you know what i'll eat if i feel like it you know what we'll is you're like nope at mile 4 i'm taking this and at mile 9 i'm doing this like you have a plan do the same thing for your mental toughness sure. so in terms of seasonal stuff which is what you were asking about originally you you can one of the pieces with mental toughness is callousing so this is where you put yourself in a position to to focus in on what you're trying to do to improve that mental toughness. So the seasonal piece, you want to create these critical moments. You want to pursue these critical moments. You want to put yourself in a situation where you're needing mental toughness and not just kind of cruising through the day, the workout, the season, the preseason, whatever. So um 
I, I would say generically, you're going to be early season having to create your own critical moments on purpose. Late in the season, those critical moments are coming. Yep. Are you ready or not? Okay. Okay. And uh, and uh, you do, I mean, so as the season progresses, you are you are basically saying that this can be this can be developed as as you as you go along, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So you go through, and, and we have an assessment. I, I think you might have taken it on that drbradfordcooper.com uh, website. It's a free assessment. We just want to make it available. We, we put it out during COVID because we wanted people to whatever they are dealing with in life. We wanted them to have some extra tools to do that. So your listeners are welcome to go on there. There's no charge for it. Nothing. Nothing like that. Um, and assess where are their gaps when it comes to mental toughness. And so if they're early in their season, late in the season, or somewhere in the middle, it gives you an idea of where am I now? And here are the three opportunities I have to improve that. So yeah, as you move through that season, you want to try to identify and, and don't try to do everything at once. Pick one, get much better at that piece. So if it's the callousing piece, if it's the relationship piece, the nutrition, the sleep, the self-talk, don't try to do seven of them at once. Pick one, maybe two, and really dial it. So self-talk, we talked a lot about that early on. Maybe that's the one people are thinking of. Really hone that in. Get that one. Mastered isn't the right word, but get it better. And then from there, you can try picking one of the other ones or a couple of the other ones. Okay. So that's that's a good uh, segue into, you know, can you also share with the listeners some more strategies on how to improve your uh, improve your mental toughness and i know sure, I, sure, sure. I, I know i know we could probably be here all day <laughs> we but, could do hours on this yeah, one, my yeah, friend. but uh, yeah but if you can share a few more uh, that will be very helpful so visualization yep uh, th- this is one that people hear about they know about it uh, I-, I would ask you to take it one step further to role playing so you literally go into that situation mimic it not just in your head, but literally mimic it to the best of your ability with all those things set up and then see what happens in that critical moment. So for you with your tempo run, that's kind of like a role playing of your race. Okay. When do you feel it? When, when do you catch yourself? Because you know it. Give yourself a Gucciardi is great tool, but when you're out there running, you can do a quick check one to 10. What's my mental toughness like right now? Well, is it a one and that's okay? Because if I'm out for a little jog, who cares what mile? Like it doesn't matter. But if I'm in the you know mile six of a seven mile pace run and I'm trying to hang on to, for dear life at that pace I wanted to hold, now I need ultimate mental toughness. So there I'm going to do a quick check and go, yeah, I'm dialed. It's a nine. No, it's kind of a five right now, or it really stinks. It's a one. And, and role play that out, recognize it, and then come back to your running journal and jot down, doing a pace run today, really tuned into my mental toughness. And at mile six, I was just terrible. I need to figure out a better way to do this. So, so that role playing will help you identify some of those things. We talked about callousing. Uh, challenge threat. I, have you had some guests talk about challenge threat on your, your no, not podcast? No, not, not really. So challenge threat is super fascinating. Uh, the, the way it works is you nothing changes about the situation you're in or the things around you, but your perspective on whether you see it, this is all perspective, nothing else different. You see it as a challenge or do you see it as a threat? Yep. The way you see that isn't just a mental exercise, it changes your body. 
your heart literally pumps more pumps blood more effectively and runs that your your arteries and veins expand to allow that to move a little bit faster when you see things as a challenge versus when you see things as a threat sure like how crazy is that we know that logically but then we go into it and we get to mile 18 and we realize we're 12 seconds off our our per mile pace and we start going, oh, no, I don't know that I can catch up. This is going to be terrible. Well, what have I just done? I've just switched into threat mode. So not only am I 12 seconds off per mile, I've just reduced the effectiveness of my heart rate. And so you see where I'm going? Yeah, so, absolutely. So awareness of challenge threat. Again, this is where your self-assessment can really kick in when you're out there doing your temple run and you realize, oh, my gosh, I'm totally shifting into threat mode. That's not helping me. So getting used to that, tuning into that, and then purposely saying, okay, I'm 12 seconds off. Coop, you got this, buddy. Come on. We can do this. This is a big challenge. You've never made up 12 seconds in the last five miles before, but I think you can do it. Today is the day. Today is the day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Today is the day. So so that would be another another example okay great so uh, you know marathon is my favorite uh, favorite distance as i mentioned uh, my, uh, you know uh, earlier so let's take a specific race situation right i mean uh, to, and uh, during training in the days leading up to the marathon and the race day itself uh, how, how how do we fit in uh, using mental toughness in in this scenario so so let's say my marathon is 16 weeks from now or 12 weeks from now so i have adequate time to uh, uh, you know train no injuries what 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 goes on uh, just take us through an act, uh, you know actual example okay so let's let's talk through again we'll keep it in the three categories so it's yep. easy for people to remember so we'll talk thrive we'll talk prepare we'll talk to activate yep. so the thrive piece those are the things that you're going to do in those 16 weeks leading up you're going to really tune into your sleep you're going to tune into your relationships with those people that are closest to you. You're going to be aware of your stress levels. You're going to realize that stress is not just the exercise that we do or the running. It's also work. It's also the people around us. It's also the world situation, the news, whatever it might be. So, so that's that thrive piece. Think about how can I thrive as an individual leading up to this race? It's not just my running. It's not just my eating. It's it's the full, all-encompassing. So, so that will set the stage. That will allow you to basically absorb and utilize as much of this mental toughness as possible. So that's the thrive piece. The prepare piece, this is where you're, again, prepare is before the race. So this Absolutely. Yeah. Weeks to day before, you're getting everything lined up. Um, you're, you're doing the role playing. You're, you're thinking it through. The, the why piece. We, we didn't talk about that. You, you know, Simon Sinek wrote his book, Start With Why. It's a popular concept. Nobody listening is like, really? I should know my why? But let's talk about that at a greater depth. There's a difference between saying, I know why I'm running a marathon and the details of, I know why I'm running this marathon on this course, on this day, at this pace, with these shoes. Like, it's not just generically why. It's very, da, 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 very yeah, very everything. Because when you you're going to have periods, most people are at least, where eight weeks out, six weeks out, you start doubting yourself and you start wondering, is this really worth it? I don't get paid to do this. Do I really want to run? Maybe I'll just pull the plug. I'm super tired. I want. I'm not seeing my kids enough. Whatever. You need to know what is your why, 
And if it's powerful enough, then it will drive the continued training. If it's a wimpy why, then you'll just kind of let off the gas and you'll just kind of coast into the race and you'll be disappointed again. So, so the, that clear why is, is a big one. Um, and then the last 24 hours leading up to the race, it, here's an easy tip for folks. You don't want to be thinking one bit. You want to save every single ounce of mental energy to utilize at mile 20, at mile 16, at mile 23 the next day. So where are you going to park? What time are you going to leave? What are you going to wear? Are you meeting somebody? What are you eating for breakfast? What are you eating for dinner the night before? You know, any possible, what car are you going to take? Which shoes are you going to wear? Which socks are you going to wear? I don't care. Every single detail. You should be a complete robot, non-thinking robot from 24 hours out until that gun sounds and probably until about mile seven or eight of the marathon, if we're talking to marathon. Don't use your mental capacity at all. Save every ounce you've got. So, so that would be the, pr- the, the prepare phase of this thing. And then the activate, you know, we talked about the self-talk. Have a self-talk strategy that you've practiced. Absolutely. You know what you do. And then know where you're going to use it. Don't use it early in the race. Use it where you need it. Use it in those critical moments. Um, I had another note here I was going to mention to you on that. The smile piece. I don't know if you guys have seen the, the smiling I have tried it. I think it became very popular after Eliot Kipchoge is actually doing that in the whatever breaking through in your challenge and uh, you know smiling. I mean, God knows how he yeah. was feeling. Most likely, he was feeling very terrible inside. But oh my god, <laughs> it it all looked uh, you know too smooth to be real. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, well, he makes four thirty fives look like yeah. I'm walking through the park with pulling a wagon or something. Um, so the smiling is a big thing. We, we actually interviewed Chrissy Wellington on the Catalyst Health oh, wow, Wellness okay. Performance she's, Coaching Podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I asked her about that because she's known for smiling. You know, her, her Twitter handle is Chrissy Smiles. And I said, did you know the research? I'm, I'm reading said, her oh, biography right now, by the way. Wonderful, okay, good. wonderful book. Yeah, she yeah. did a great job. Yeah. Well, I, I was asking her about the smiling thing and she said, oh, Brad, I didn't know anything about the research. I just, you know, Iron Man is... It, it's important to us, but it's not a big sport. There aren't a lot of fans. There aren't, there's not a lot of following. And she said, I just wanted to thank, basically do something to thank the people that came out to the course and were cheering for me. And so I would smile at them. And she said, this weird thing happened. I'd smile at them and they'd smile back. And I got this little lift. And she said that, you know, I did it to thank them, but it ended up helping me in the end. Tune into that, folks. The the interaction you have with other people, morning of, on the race course, et cetera, et cetera, that can help your performance too. So that's the activate pieces, those things in the moment, the self-talk, the the smiling, the smiling 2.0, we called it, et cetera, et cetera. Remembering your why when you're super tired, tapping into that future self, like I mentioned with my son, but whatever your version is. So th- those would be some examples for the thrive, the prepare, and the activate that they can utilize. No, it's that, that's uh, you know what what you mentioned about Chrissy Wellington is so wonderful. I was just you know thinking about it when you were talking because uh, you know I I try to thank as many volunteers as possible, even if it is deep down into the race and you are you know you are virtually coming apart at you know mile twenty or twenty two. And for those few seconds, maybe five seconds or ten seconds, you know, it's very nice. I mean, you feel good about yourself. They you know they get a very surprised thank you from somebody who's you know they are sitting seeing otherwise at who are all just falling apart and just want to grab the cup of water and just you know totally. yeah so yeah that's that's a great a great example so uh 
you know, I, I know we are on a clock here. So, you know, the last couple of questions I ask all my guests. So all your uh, all your material, your website, your, you know, your the link to your podcast, the, the Catholic, the, the Catalyst uh, Performance Podcast, all of that I link in my show notes. What I wanted to ask you is, are there any other resources that you would like to share with listeners which they may need to uh, check out? I mean, you, you, met, you, you mentioned about the questionnaire by Gucci Adi. I, I hope I spell you know spell that right, but I will again yeah, yeah. I will link yeah. link that as well. Anything else? Uh, any you know blogs, books, websites, YouTube channels, podcasts, anything? We just yeah, we just put together a series of three videos that run about thirty minutes total on this idea of functional mental toughness. So those are on the YouTube coaching channel. Okay, I think for most people it should be YouTube.com/slash coaching channel, but I'll send you a link just in case. Sure. Uh, but but that goes into greater detail of the things we've talked about today. So one of the videos is on the thrive piece, one's on the prepare piece, and one is on the activate. Yeah. And they get they, they get a little bit longer because there's more to each one of those as you go. But I'll send you those because if folks are interested in that, that would give them more specific uh, follow up. Um, so yeah, I think that, and then the the Catalyst Health Wellness Performance Coaching Podcast would be the other big one. We've had some folks, and we talk a lot about mental toughness. We talk about performance. We've had Chrissy on. We've had Rennie Carfrey, Croy Alexander, Ryan Hall, Bart Yasso. You know, some really yeah. I have I have listened to about. a few. I think I mean I would urge oh, awesome. uh, urge listeners to check out uh, check out. I mean there are some wonderful wonderful material material out there on the on, yeah, on the party. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a podcaster, I check out a lot of podcasts, and this is one I've yeah. checked out and found uh, found a lot of wonderful. Uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful guests. And uh, Dr. Cooper, what's the best way to follow you and your work? Uh, like whatever social media handles you can share, happy to share, or or is it best through the website uh, and your YouTube? Yeah, yeah, probably the catalystcoachinginstitute.com gives them the access to the majority of things. We've got a link to the podcast, got a link to the YouTube video there, or videos there. Uh, if you're on social media, I spend some time on Twitter. Okay. Uh, interacting with other researchers. So it's at Catalyst the number two thrive. So catalyst to thrive using the number two instead of the letters. Um, Instagram, Dr. Bradford Cooper. Okay. And those are probably your best two options beyond the website. Okay. Wonderful. So I link all of these uh, into the, uh, into uh, including the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is oh, really this is fun. This was really interesting and fun. I have listened to you speaking, uh, but I really hope my listeners also get an insight to your work and uh, you know there is a lot more to follow up and dive deeper in case you know any of you are interested my listeners so and which i urge you to do because i have greatly benefited in fact one of the things that you when you talked about challenge uh, challenge as a threat or the other way around i have heard you speak but i didn't i didn't want to let my listeners know that <laughs> I had it and i wanted you to express yourself so uh, thank you so much uh, for your time really really appreciate it Raj, is a lot of fun. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much to all the listeners. Please check out the podcast website, runfitraj.com. That is R-U-N-F-I-T-R-A-J.com. It has all the podcasts. It has all the show notes. And there is a very useful search function as well. You can reach out to me on my social media handles, which are running and fitness with Raj on both Instagram and Facebook. And you can also email me on running and fitness with Raj at gmail.com. Please let me know if you have any questions or specific guests you would like to see on the show. I also request you all again to please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word. 
please also leave a review on iTunes as it will help enormously to grow the show. We will continue to bring you exciting and interesting guests and give specific and actionable advice. Stay safe, stay healthy and till the next show, goodbye.